0: What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Sauce Lab podcast. From a new location this time, from my dorm room in Syracuse, New York, coming to you talking about what might have been the best weekend of football I have ever seen as a fan in my entire life. Definitely the most heart-wrenching, the most dramatic, the most Edge of your seat, waiting to see what happens, waiting to see who comes out victorious type of weekend I have ever probably had in my entire life. Four unbelievable games that all came down to a field goal. I want to get right into it and break down every single game, basically what I saw, how I felt about the outcome. I'm going to then give you guys a big long story called who is your Debo talking about the breakout of Debo Samuel, the wide receiver slash running back for the San Francisco 49ers and talking about if there's any possibility for other players in the league to have a run similar to that. And then at the end, I'm going to give you guys my picks for the conference championship to who is going to go on to go play in the Super Bowl. But I want to get right into it. So I'm going to start it off by talking about the Bengals and Titans game. So the first thing that I have to say clearly is is Joe Shiesty is that guy. Joe Burrow really seems like he has the confidence and swagger to take over the league for the next 10-plus years. I've said it so many weekends in a row, and I'm so glad that the prophecy is finally coming true. If you guys remember, think back to the beginning of the season. I had on my list of breakout players for this year, and I know that a lot of people expected him to be solid, but I had him number one on my list. This was the guy that I was banging the drum for, saying that he had superstar potential, and the possibility to do something similar to what he's doing right now, which is putting this entire team on his back, changing the landscape of a franchise, making a fan base so happy for the first time in 40-ish years. The Bengals fans are looking at him like a savior. I was talking with one of my friends. I think that this might be one of the most liked players in the entire league, that nobody really has a problem with him. All he does is continue to have this young, cool swagger, really embodying the face of this new, young quarterback generation. In this movement, and I want to tip my hats to him because he had a fantastic game, really came out to play, even though he didn't have any passing touchdowns, still played an impeccable game, still was his job to drive down and get that game-winning field goal for Evan McPherson. The confidence in Evan McPherson, too, I just need to point out. But now I'm going to talk a little bit about the Tennessee Titans side. Derrick Henry, in my opinion, really did not look like himself out there. Definitely, he... Was still banged up. I know that he was playing with an injury plate on his foot. I'm not sure where that is. How that really even works. But that clearly is a setback for him. He didn't look like the same explosive dominant guy. I also didn't see him breaking out too much in space because I think that the defense did, the Bengals defense did an incredible job of stuffing up those holes, both on the inside and on the outside, not really allowing the Titans to play that slow, monotonous game. Yet overall, it wasn't like on the other side, Joe Burrow was slinging it like no other. He had a very efficient and good game, yet the Tennessee Titans defense really came to play, especially that front seven. I remember last week just literally saying, to Nico Autry, not a big deal. Harold Landry, Jeffrey Simmons, these guys were all big deals. I was definitely very wrong in that area, and they ended up coming out there and having a playoff best, nine sacks in the game, unbelievable, clearly proving to me and to all the fans all around. Not that they should have gotten Penny Sewell instead of Jamar Chase, but that next year, the number one priority, and I think that this is always the prior, the biggest priority when you have a young quarterback who's evolving into the game. I really do like their left side, but on that offensive line, the entire right side and center need to get scrapped and put some new guys in there because they do not know how to block for their life. I mean, I think he didn't even play a great game, but Jonah Williams and Quentin Spain really seem like the only two guys that could possibly stay for next year. Spain, definitely very old and could honestly take a step back. So I would not be surprised if they go out there, spend a ton of money in free agency and draft capital in the draft to just try to completely reinforce that offensive line and not allow something like a nine-sack game to happen against joe burrow but I think that that also just gives credit to how great he was that he got sacked that many times was really not able to do much on those plays and that led to so many monotonous drives that ended at punts and he still came out with the victory I also really 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 need to give tip my hats to the Bengals secondary. Eli Apple, Chidobe Awuzie, Jesse Bates coming out there and looking like, in my opinion, say a top 12 secondary in the NFL. All the players really stepped up. Uh, Mike Hilton as well had a really defining pick, and that is a unit that originally I was thinking was going to be a very big problem for this year, and they've completely proved me wrong guys that I never thought would step up to the place that they are right now have, and I really need to tip my hats off to that. The last thing that I'm going to say about this game is back on the Titans side. I know that I've been flipping all over, but looking at the quarterback spot, I've said it last year, I was very, very high on Ryan Tannehill, and he had the stats to back it up. So going into the playoffs, I was definitely really confident in him in the play action game and stuff like that. But as of late, he has completely just destroyed that knowledge that I had previously, and now I think that he is not the guy to get it done. If the Titans want to go on to make the Super Bowl, to go on to make the conference championship once again, with Derrick Henry being this bell cow back in their backfield, which I definitely still think is possible, they will probably need to have an upgrade over Ryan Tannehill. And I know that that is so hard to hold on to within the time span of when Derrick Henry is still this elite mauling running back. Because I think that his shelf life will only be three to four more years, and Ryan Tannehill is at a good age where he could probably put up at least solid production, so I could definitely see a way that the Titans stick with both. They just try again next year. They make the playoffs on a very low seed and again get bumped in the first round, which just seems like the recipe when you're have when you going up against a elite quarterback like Joe Burrow, like Patrick Mahomes, like Josh Allen, like say that if they make the playoffs next year, Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson, two other guys that I really think that if the Titans go up against them, I don't see those guys falling to Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans, so I think that a a quarterback change needs to be in the fold for them at some point very, very soon. The next game that I'm going to be talking about is the 49ers vs. Packers game, a crazy one as well, which left a very sour taste in my mouth. Ultimately, I think that this really was Aaron Rodgers' last game in Green Bay ever again. I think that this year he's going to be doing a very big Tom Brady-esque move in the offseason to another team and shocked the world. What really left such a disgusting taste in my mouth and made me so upset about this whole thing and the whole situation of Aaron Rodgers losing in this final game is that he did not play well and he didn't get any final farewell, any big play, any big stat line, any storyline to go along with it. It was literally just a very, very small scoring ugly game where basically I'd say that the biggest factor to the Packers losing was their secondary that led up a blocked punt and a blocked field goal, which ultimately led to great field positioning on the blocked punt, which led to seven points for the San Francisco 49ers, as well as the blocked field goal, which took away three possible points. That's a 10 point swing and the Packers only ended up losing by three. So it really just left a disgusting taste in my mouth to have the final game be decided by something that is so out of his reach, I think that the defense played a good enough game. The offense played good enough. Clearly he did not go over and beyond, had this unbelievable connection with Devante or Cobb or Lazard or any of these other guys that I thought could have really had an unbelievable day against a so-so secondary. We saw that very, very long reception and run by Aaron Jones, which definitely gave me some hope for Aaron Rodgers for the rest of the game. But after all of that, The defense really held it down. Five sacks on Aaron Rodgers. He's been doing a very, very good job this entire season of getting the ball out a lot quicker than usual. But when you have Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead rushing at you from both sides, it is so hard to contain that type of thing. And clearly that was shown. The Packers offense, which is usually one of the most prolific high-scoring offenses, can easily have these crazy drives, really only had one drive that they could hang their hat on being that great. And the 49ers came out victorious. I love to see a great underdog story. I thought going into the year that the 49ers are similarly in in the same class of these other teams, but like even this game, there were so many uh, unbelievable drops in that first half. Garoppolo looked horrific. It was really the Debo Samuel show. He's proving that he is a top five quote unquote weapon in the league because we really don't know what position he is. I'll definitely get into a lot more about Debo later. But, like I said, sour note for Aaron Rodgers, and time for him to move on to his next chapter of his career. The next game that I'm going to be talking about is the Rams-Buccaneers. This one, to start this day of football. Just talking about this day of football, this is probably one of the best football days I've ever seen in my entire life. I was moving and shaking, had different locations for watching the game. But ultimately, when looking back at the stat lines, at these crazy endings, things like that, this day of football can and will go down in history as one of the best that we've ever seen with a two-game span, both of them coming down to either an overtime or a final field goal play that had big legends going down, legends in the making, things like that. Just an unbelievable day of football. Rams-Bucks insanity. The entire game, Rams came out to a very, very strong start. All three phases of the team looked like the Rams were in favor. The offense was clicking with their pre-snap motion, their movement, Cooper Cup getting easy receptions in the inside. Van Jefferson actually looked a lot more like a normal route running type receiver rather than just a fly and go long type guy, which I really like to see out of him. Oda Beckham Jr., like I've continuously beat the drum of. And like I said last week, he was going to be so, so pivotal in this game. And he was that and so much more was such an elusive great receiver could make cuts on the dime like any other elite wide receiver with the ball in their hands in space in the entire nfl and i really love to see him go back to that elite level especially on a team with so much talent in these big games with everybody watching Odo beckham jr is clearly that guy clearly with all the pressure on him all of that in a new playbook, new offense, new scheme, has taken on that role and has taken it to a whole nother level. I'm so glad to see Odell Beckham Jr. cooking. Another guy that I have been such a fan of for the past near decade, and I'm so glad to finally see take this W, would be Matthew Stafford. Let me go back to the game a little bit more. So first half, Rams have it in all three phases. I just continued to say Brady still has it. Brady still has it. It's a Brady type game. And I I really do think that even though Brady does obviously help the receivers and the tight ends the most because he's actually the one throwing to them. I think that there is a weird effect on the field that when Tom Brady's team is down, everyone steps up, whether that is special teams, defense, O-line, coaching, everything just because of this passion and the relentlessness of the GOAT of NFL, the best accolades player in football history, being on your team, you just have a requirement and an obligation to fulfill his needs and get him to where he needs to go. So I just continued to think that throughout the entire game, even into the second half, even going into the fourth quarter, I was like, this is still Brady's game. And then that Mike Evans touchdown happened over Jalen Ramsey's head. And I said, oh my, wow, it is over. I thought that that was going to be the game ceiling thing. This was going to be Tom Brady's quarter for the rest of the quarter, go back and do what he has always done. They then, the next, drive the Rams start driving down the field Cam Akers fumbles the ball picked up by the Buccaneers right back into field goal range and Leonard Fournette runs it in for a touchdown with I think around three-ish four minutes left unbelievable I'm like wow Brady does it again mark it on the calendar Everyone's going to be so upset. I'm looking forward to all the people on social media saying Brady has finally done this. I see accounts saying I'm deleting my account if Brady comes back and wins. And then who steps onto the field with only a couple minutes, I think a couple seconds left actually. It was Matthew Stafford and that LA Rams offense, Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup, already the triple crown winner for wide receivers, most receptions, most yards, most touchdowns in the NFL this season, been so prolific out of the slot. And you guys have heard me say, I think that he is incredibly elite talent level, but Compared to these guys like Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, he's just not that type of player. But this play was something that I have not seen out of him all season. This fly-go-out-of-the-slot, Matthew Stafford uncorks it all the way along to him. So incredible to see. Poetry in motion. Stafford throws it down has done what he's done best if you guys have seen the clip on youtube and nfl films of matthew stafford yelling clock it back when he was a detroit lion and then ends up jumping into the pile to score the game-winning touchdown it looked so reminiscent of that exact play as he's running down the field yelling clock it clock it clock it move quick you could see tom brady's defeated face on the sideline and then matt gay walks out to go in and hit the game-winning field goal to get the rams the victory three points over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers unbelievable game so glad to see Tom Brady go down even though you guys have heard I continue to say he was my pick I thought that he would definitely get to the Super Bowl there is an unrelenting talent with him and whenever he's on your team people just do seem to do better but this game clearly changed that I cannot remember a time when Tom Brady started coming back in a game started having the momentum tied it up and then lost any game that he lost, or at least in a playoff setting, it's definitely happened in the regular season, but as I've said, it's a whole different sport when it becomes playoff football, and I think the best players really show themselves in this moment, which is clearly what we're seeing after this entire weekend. I was like, this is going to be another classic Tom Brady game. And Matt Stafford takes that away from him. Excited to see Matt Stafford go on. Hopefully he makes the Super Bowl, but he's going to have to go after a very ferocious 49ers team. I'll get to that a little bit later. Now I'm going to give you guys the last game, definitely the craziest game, definitely an all-time game. I'm going to start it off by saying this. The Chiefs-Bills game last night was one of the greatest NFL games I've ever seen in my entire life. Playoff games, the only other ones that could possibly be in contention is Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl, Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl, or the Minnesota Miracle. That's really it. Other than that, this game had everything in that final two minutes. That Last two-minute drill was one of the greatest two minutes of football I've ever seen, ever as a fan. It was the peak, and if you are a football fan right now, please, I hope that you took a mental picture last night, because that is a game that we will never forget, that will go down in the history books when Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are both getting given their Hall of Fame jackets, as I predict that they probably will. They will look back on this game and say, wow, this is where the rivalry really started, and it took off to so much bigger and better things i have ideas that mahomes and allen will be the next brady manning for the next 10 20 years such talented passers and two franchises that in my mind seem to have the backs of those quarterbacks and will really do anything to get them to the highest heights possible it seems like with their new contracts anything is possible for both these guys and i'm really excited to see what they do moving forward josh allen tip my hats but I have a special announcement for Patrick Mahomes. Like I said last week, I think he is trying to fulfill a destiny that has never been seen in the NFL. I personally think that he's the greatest player to ever touch a football, most talented football player that I've ever seen, even when watching highlights of all the greatest legends. He just seems to do things that consistently uh, we've never seen, and he proved that again to me this week, thereby fulfilling and furthering my point that he will go down as the eventual goat, and he's doing something that we have never seen before. I love Patrick Mahomes so much, and it's actually very disappointing that as a Jets fan, I was never able to appreciate the greatness of Tom Brady and his consistency of winning because I hated him and the team that he played for so, so much. But now I really, I loved Patrick Mahomes coming out of college. I liked him going to the Kansas City Chiefs following in Alex Smith's Footsteps, and I was really excited for him going into the season. So now that I'm able to appreciate and recognize his greatness, I'm doing that every instance that I can. That last 13 seconds, getting the ball to Tyreek and then getting the ball to Travis Kelsey to put them into field goal range to win the game on that just a kiss of beauty. I love it so much. And go Chiefs go. I think that at this rate, with that performance after this, there is no way that they do not go on to continue to make the Super Bowl and even win it. I know that Joe Burrow really has so much power behind him, but to go up against probably the number two or number three I'd say Patrick Mahomes right now is the number one quarterback in the NFL. And then you could argue Josh Allen is either number two or number three. Number two, possibly being Aaron Rodgers. But either way, you have to recognize that both of these guys are two of the most elite players in the league. Joe Burrow, I don't think, is on that level. So with the talent that they have on that roster, I just think the Chiefs are going to be unstoppable going forward. Another guy that I want to tip my hat to with an unreal. Probably the best playoff wide receiver performance I've ever seen. A guy that I have liked, but not enough to warrant a four touchdown 200 yard game is Gabriel Davis, a young guy on the Bills wide receiving core that I think is jumping from number four to number two within a one game span, which is so insane to say because you really need the consistency over a long period of time. But in a game like this where it all matters and it's all down on the line, when Josh Allen is hitting him eight times for 200 plus yards and four touchdowns, that is a touch, that is a playoff record. Most receptions by a wide receiver in a playoff game ever, beating out Jerry Rice, beating out all of Randy Moss, all of these unbelievable guys. He is solidifying his name in the record books, at least for that game, and showing himself to be a very viable guy for next year and going forward. I'm really excited to see Gabriel Davis continue his path to greatness. Another person that I want to give my or that I want to tip my hat to, actually two guys on the Chiefs offense. Jarek McKinnon and Byron Pringle, two guys that really stepped up going into this year were not looked at as big pieces, but in games that really matter, they both had very efficient games. McKinnon, both as a runner and a passer. McKinnon, like last year, he was on the San Francisco 49ers, probably the most efficient running back team, and they couldn't even get anything out of him. So I was like, oh, this guy is done, done for. He's not going to be efficient ever again. And now he goes to the team that has the most prolific passing in the NFL, and he's able to open that up into the running game so much more. Obviously, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did not play, and he will be back next season, so I don't think McKinnon has really carved out a serious role on that team, but he played very well for the time being, and I really need to tip my hat to him. And then Byron Pringle, too, five receptions, 50 yards, very, very necessary as the second wide receiver on the Kansas City Chiefs. Love what I saw out of him as well. The last thing that I'm going to say about this game is my opinion about the fact that it went to overtime. Everybody is saying and arguing between should the overtime rules be changed or not, and I think I am very indifferent about it. It is both true that the Bills' defense collapsed at the end and couldn't stop the Chiefs at all, and that was completely on them. They're defense all year was touted as a top five unit and then gave up play after play and they had multiple opportunities to go in and win that game but instead they gave it up to the most prolific passer in the nfl but then it's also true that we didn't even get to see their best unit playing at the end and it all came down to a coin so i think that if it does change i will be happy but if it doesn't then i think it definitely makes sense Everybody said it for years, defense wins championships, and the Bills clearly, just after that game, did not have a championship caliber defense, or a defense that's good enough to shut down an elite quarterback from that type of lead that they had going into the two-minute warning. It was just such a two-sided game. I don't want to discredit the Bills. I don't want to make it sound like the Bills had a horrible game. Both teams played out of their minds. I said going into it that this has the capability to be one of the best ever, and it fit every single expectations and exceeded them. I'm so glad that I got to watch it in person live. And it's unbelievable. One last thing about the Chiefs. I was thinking this before I was going to bed last night. I was saying, wow, if the Chiefs really do go on and have this unbelievable run this year, say that they make the Super Bowl. I know that, that is all hypothetical at this moment, and they're still one of four that could make that could win the Super Bowl, but say that they do go on and win the Super Bowl. Is this the best four year stint of a team in NFL history? When you look at what they did four years ago, made the AFC Conference Championship and lost to the Patriots. The next year went on to beat the San Francisco 40. 49ers in the Super Bowl, the next year lost to Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl, and then the next year beats either the LA Rams or the San Francisco 49ers. That is two Super Bowl wins, a Super Bowl loss, and an AFC Conference loss. I was looking it up this morning. Who else could be in contention for that? The 2003 to 2007 Patriots, the 2015 to 2018 Patriots, the 80s, 49ers the 60s packers something like that but the chiefs definitely need to be in that discussion at least for a top three four-year stin out of any team in nfl history it is patrick Mahomes solidifying himself very early on his career and i could make the argument honestly that if he were to retire today it could be a hall of fame career already he's just played so great in his limited amount of time i know that he has, does not have the stats to back that up But the accolades and the things that he's done in his short-lived prime, wow. Wow, wow, wow. I cannot stress that enough. He's doing things that I've never seen, and I'm so glad that I'm getting to watch it during my time as a football fan. The next segment of the podcast is going to be about a guy named Debo Samuel. If you guys have been watching the 49ers game, you clearly know how unbelievable this dude has been. And I want to point that out beforehand, not trying to discredit Debo at all. I'm just saying that he's been given the luxury of doing this multiple position type football when not a lot of other players have had even the opportunity to try to do something like that. And I want to, in this episode, talk about some other players that could do something very similar to what Debo has been doing, especially going into next year as offenses are evolving, things like that. So while he has been electric in the role of outside wide receiver, slot wide receiver, and running back, there are other players that would fit perfectly into a similar role and haven't been given that opportunity. In the past, we've seen Tavon Austin, Percy Harvin, and a young Cordero Patterson try it out, but it was so different back then in the NFL. Now that teams have become so much more pass heavy, they're utilizing getting their speedy receivers in space, creating for themselves, and they use so much backfield motion, speed sweeps, jets, fly, gun outs, so many different things like that. This new way to utilize the skill position not only helps their own stats too, but it helps other wide receivers, it helps the blockers, and most of all it helps the quarterbacks with having an easy dump off or being able to just get the ball on an easy pass to a guy that could then make things for themselves and add to the stat line of the quarterback just to ease themselves a little bit, get some easy things going, open up the defense a lot more so today I created a list of guys that I think could be in that similar Debo Samuel role, which they have to have a list of traits that I'm going to get to. And obviously it is possible that this is completely wrong and none of these guys ever even achieve something close to a Debo Samuel type role. I'm not saying that they are automatically going to be breakouts for next year. I'm saying that they fit the mold of what a Debo Samuel type player usually is, usually has usually can be, and if they do choose to utilize these players in that way, then I could see a really big bump in both their production and their team's production because of it. So, the traits that I have been that I have written down as somebody to become a Debo Samuel would be that they need to be very, very fast have a low fumble rate, like very good at carrying the football, high IQ, and has been playing football for a somewhat long time, knows the game, knows different concepts, and is okay with doing these pre-snap motions. They already have had the ability to line up at different positions, so they're not new to, to doing different positions and going to different places. They have enough strength to work in the in the blocking game as well so they can't just be super thin run type players they need to also be at least solid in the pass block game and in the run block game if they're going to be used like the swiss army knife and last but not least they need to be willing and able to be the focal point of an offense it means that they are going to be getting the ball 20 times a game 10 times in the reception category, 10 times in the Russian category, sometimes 15-5 on either way, and that is just what I expect out of this Debo Samuel Swiss Army type guy. So, I have my list of my five guys that I think would work best in this role. Number one, and I think the most confident that I have, is Jalen Waddle this coming year's sophomore, this past year's rookie, who actually this year set the record for most receptions by a rookie in a season in NFL history, which already gives me more than enough confidence to put him in the, be the focal point of an offense. He was already so electric when he has the ball in his hands, can easily make yards in space, can fake defenders out, is definitely in the class of top five fastest wide receiver in the entire NFL And I think that he will definitely work best in this role. I think that that means lining him up at running back, lining him up in the slot, very close, having a lot of pre-snap motion, fake end-arounds, but also, I think, just straight out of the backfield, running back-type runs. I think that he would do very good in that role, and I really want to see that. Also with Waddle, I think that him doing these speed sweeps and things like that will open up the offense so much more, make it so much easier on Tua to do his easy yardage. He's already so great at short accuracy plays. He knows how to get the ball into his receiver's hands and let them work. So why not do it out of the backfield as well as within the five-yard line. I think that Waddle is the perfect candidate for this, and I could really see him taking on a similar role and having Debo Samuel type numbers next year. That would be just stupendous as a fantasy owner and as a football fan in general. The next guy that I have to put in here is a guy who did something very similarly last year, but or two years ago, but then this past year we actually haven't seen a lot of him because he's been injured, but now that he's coming back fully healthy next year, I think that we could see a similar role, and that is Curtis Samuel of the Washington football team. Originally, he was doing this on the Carolina Panthers, both lining up at wide receiver and as a running back when Christian McCaffrey was out with his injury two years ago. And I think that if they utilize this in the Washington football team scheme, they already have two running backs that are very good out of the backfield at catching the ball. So if you threw Curtis Samuel on there as a sometimes running back, also a dual threat slot guy that can get these short yards and burst with speed and nobody's able to catch him, I think Curtis Samuel fits this bill really well. And we could see a big breakout from him as well going into next year. The next guy who I think fits this bill, I don't think it's necessary for him to break out because I really have him as one of my favorite guys going into next year, and that's already a little preview because I really like where this guy is going, especially with the quarterback at the helm, but if he chooses to utilize this Debo Samuel role and whoever their new coach is chooses to go this route, then I think Darnell Mooney could be the next Debo Samuel, the Swiss Army type. He's very, very good at pass blocking and run blocking, especially for his lanky size, super fast, super elusive, great at making cuts and changing direction on a dime. And the only other thing, the only reason against this would be that he has such good go up and get it contested catch ability that this would definitely take away from that because it would turn him more into a running back, a slot, easy dump off, backfield motion type receiver. But I see it. Like, I I just see it. I think that you could even put him at some wildcat quarterback, have him run up the middle. You could put him at wide receiver and have him slot in on a motion-type play. You could have him starting as the running back and moving outside a receiver. All these different things. But I think Darnell Mooney could really excel in that role going into next year. Now, two more guys that I have on this list. These are my top five players that could break out like a Devo Samuel-type role, and these two guys actually are a lot less speed, but it's more because they've been accustomed to being in this jet sweep type role for their basically their entire careers. And I think that if they really embrace that fully, and these are two coaches that I think could definitely do that if they end up going back to their same teams next year, that could really embrace that role, and that is Robert Woods and Juju Smith-Schuster. Both of them are not known as the speed breakaway guys, but they both have very high carrying. They're both very, very good at run blocking. I think that they could honestly even line up at fullback. I know that that sounds so unbelievable and weird, and fullbacks are usually these bruising-type running backs, but... Who's to say that he's not good enough to block in the trenches, at least Juju Smith-Schuster, block in the trenches, or even have fullbacks that go out on full routes, an entire route tree going to the guy that is in your fullback role, that even if you're an iso, you fake the handoff to the fullback running back and have Juju run out two yards up and cut and then be open in space. I think that that is fantastic. And especially, I mean, I know that next year, I really hope that the Steelers offense expands to a lot bigger things than what they've been doing with Ben Roethlisberger over the last two years where they've kept everything short. So that one might be a little bit hard, but if they get a guy in the draft that can really open up the field, or an Aaron Rodgers, or a Russell Wilson that could open it up deep, that could allow Juju Smith-Schuster to do so well in that type of role. And then also with Robert Woods, like I said, it's a Sean McVay offense, so you can always expect some guy to be a Swiss Army knife. And I think that if you really embraced Robert Woods doing it there, you could have a three-headed monster next year with Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and Robert Woods as your running back. I don't think that it's completely out of the picture, and I think that it is definitely something that the Rams should consider going into next year. Now, I have other guys on this list, but these are not the ones that I'm so confident and can do it. I'm just saying these are guys that have the capability, that fit these traits, that fit these styles, and if they were to do it, it would probably end well. It's just they're not a top five pick for me. The first tier is going to be guys that are already unbelievable at their positions, but can still work in that role, and that is Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Terry McLaurin, and current Cordero Patterson. Those four guys, I think, would work very well as a Debo type. Time to break out. These are two guys that are young and haven't hit that next echelon, and if they take on this Debo-type role, then they definitely could, and that is Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore. And then the last tier is going to be be more productive. These are veterans who have been in the league for a pretty long time and have really never been anything, and if they wanted to take on a role like this, if the coach put them in a role like this, then maybe they could go from average bench-type player, average role player, to a star in this league. And that is Marquise Goodwin, J.D. McKissick, James White, Brian Edwards, Lynn Bowden Jr., Quez Watkins, and K.J. Hamler. All of those guys I think could work. They're not my highest pick, but they definitely could work in that Debo role. Alrighty, and now for the last segment, which is going to be my picks for next weekend. You guys have heard me give my picks every single week. As of right now, I am 6-4 and four on my playoff picks, and I am ultimately very upset about that. I thought that I could easily be 8-2 and two at this point, but there have been so many weird upsets. There have been so many flips, and I think that 6-4 and four is around where the majority of people stand with their records from when they predicted the playoffs. So, I'm not saying that I'm so far off, but I'm also thinking that I could have definitely done better. I'm going to have my two picks for this week. Number one, in the AFC, like I said before, the Kansas City Chiefs seem like they cannot be stopped. Joe Burrow definitely has it in him. The offense is going to be prolific, and it will definitely be a high-scoring game, but I have the Chiefs coming out 33-27, beating the Cincinnati Bengals to go on and make the Super Bowl. And then in the NFC, I have the LA Rams taking it. Matthew Stafford, a guy who has been in this league so long, has number, has touchdowns and yards to call himself a Hall of Fame career, but really no playoff experience, and now finally goes on to go play. Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I could argue that Sean McVay is the best coach in the entire playoffs that's left right now. He's consistently shown time and time again that he's so good. Aaron Donald proving that he is that guy. Jalen Ramsey still locked down. Cooper Cup the best wide receiver on paper this season, statistically wise. I have the LA Rams going on to beat the San Francisco 49ers in a not so handed, but a close 27 to 20 game. That would mean that if my predictions are correct, it will be a Chiefs-Rams Super Bowl where the best quarterback will have to go up against the best defensive tackle and best cornerback, which is a show that I will never want to stop watching. So I'm very excited to see what comes out of next weekend. I'm very excited to give you guys my next episode. Obviously, classes are now starting back up for Syracuse, so I'm getting back into the swing of things, getting busy once again. But... I still need to give you guys my takes, still need to break all the NFL stuff down for you and the Sauce Lab podcast will not stop. I love you guys. Love making these episodes. As you guys know, we're now year like we're now edging up on a year of doing the podcast, which is so insane. I'm very proud of myself for continuing to keep this thing up, for continuing to make my picks and hopefully when I one day do something in the sports media world or wherever whatever I do I'll be able to look back on the podcast and say, wow, this is hilarious, back to my college days with my picks and things like that. So thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys liked the episode. Hope you guys liked the Debo article. I really spent some time thinking about that one because I think that the idea of another Debo in the league would be so, so crazy. Love you guys. Looking forward to another amazing week of football next week. Conference playoffs. Gonna be legit. So excited. Have a great weekend and peace.